Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. And um, today um, on the show, we're going to have kind of a a little snippet on um, Brian Lynch. And Brian Lynch is um, working on a couple of exciting things. He's got Pets 2. He's got the Minions stuff coming out. So um, just dive into it, man. Um, Tell us what you're working on. I am uh, currently working on Secret Life of Pets 2, writing the first draft of that. And it's going going really well. I think the, the, the first one... I think is my favorite movie that I've worked on in terms of, yeah, it's my favorite movie I've worked on. And we want to top this one, but the, the, the problem is there's like 18 characters we love in part one mm-hmm. and we want to bring them all back and give them something good to do. <laughs> so, and introduce new characters. It's like so the Avengers with animals. Yes. Uh, and we're just trying to figure out what everybody's doing, but it's, it's really funny so far. I think, I think it's good. Now what happens? Um, this do a little breakdown of what happens between projects. So you work. I mean, animation is kind of fascinating, anyways, because um, there's until recently the idea of doing an animation sequel was not even really thought of. Right. You know that they they really never happened until you know the the kind of straight to video stuff that Disney was doing. Um, but now it's it's huge business. But when you work on on an animated feature for three to four years, mm-hmm. ostensibly, you, you look at the end of the the, um, the movie and they do the baby reel, you know, the production right. babies, right? Like to see how many you know lives were brought into the world right. in the time it took to make the project, and it does well. And when do you know that you're working on part two? Like, like what's the turnaround time? This is funny. Um, it's usually we wait until the opening weekend. With mm-hmm. Minions, we waited to see, oh, should we do another one? And and, and, it, and we decided we probably should. Um, mm-hmm. But with Pets, it was after the first test screening. And, and the kids went crazy for it. All these new characters, they kind of just loved immediately. So we started not writing it, obviously, because we had to work on part one still. Because after right. test screening, you have to go back and, and fix a lot. But... Um, with two, we started thinking about, well, where do we want to go next with it? And we and we knew the team we had working on it was great, and we wanted to keep it going. So we started brainstorming. Mm-hmm. And now, um, and that Minions was came out of um, Cinco Paul's. Um, Cinco and Ken uh, wrote Despicable Me 1 and 2. And, right. and they wrote 3 that's coming out this summer. Right, right. And actually, I know like three people that are involved with that project, oh, really? too, which is kind of funny. That's cool. and, um, and so when, when these things are... are you know you're you're gonna head back into production. I mean, you know you're looking at in with a sequel a faster turnaround than, than right. with the original. Yes, um, we actually were going to. It was going to come out next year, and we decided we want to give it more time because we wanted to get it right. So it's going to come out a year later. But oh yeah, we. It's easier in a sense because you know the characters going in, you know what they look like, you know what the world's going to be. But it's difficult in the sense that we want to give every character that people love in the first one uh, better things to do in the sequel. Mm-hmm. So now we're trying to balance a dozen characters and storylines for a dozen characters. But yeah, yeah, it's it's we hit the ground running on this one. And luckily, you know, we we know there's no question that Max is going to look like this. Duke's going to act like this. It's yeah. just coming up with a new scenario to make them all 
shine. And when you're working on the original characters, you're working on um, multiple facial expressions and the types of things mm-hmm. that you can reuse. You right. Know? So you can you can grab these um, these digital developments and and put these elements into new situations. Right. So that's that's cutting a lot of time out. Sure, that's yeah. true. Yeah, and we and we also know the limitations of certain characters. Like a there's a a basset hound in it named Pops that he's wrinkly and he and his skin hangs. So we know certain things with his face you can't do with other characters. So we know not to go certain places. Right. Um, um, or when he smiles, he looks creepy. So maybe we want to have him smile because it might be funny. Uh, right, right. That kind of thing. So, yeah. Now, um, how did you come to this? Uh, the meltdown? No, uh, well, no. Yeah. Um, what brought you here today? <laughs> My feet. I just drove. Um, uh, I, I've, I've always written screenplays, uh, and I wanted to be a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And um, the cartoonist part was taken out of the equation in an accident. It's the silliest accident ever. Um, it's so weird. I was opening a cat food can from a wall. Uh, from a wall can opener, and right. it fell, and I went to catch it, and the lid chopped my thumb back. Like it, it flipped back. Oh my god! Like Inspector Gadget lights a yeah, you know, has a lighter, yeah. and it looked like that. Uh, so I got it sewn up. There was nerve damage in my hand. It doesn't really look different, but I can't draw as well. Right. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll just be a writer then. And uh, I started screenwriting. Uh, I helped um, my friend Vincent Pereira make a movie in New Jersey in 1995 mm-hmm. um, that Kevin Smith produced. And it was mm-hmm. a great little $35,000 to start with uh, drama, high school drama. Uh, Vin is an amazing filmmaker. and Synapse Films put that out. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want them to put a Blu-ray out. I want people to see it all over again because I think it's discontinued now, but it, yeah. I, I would love for people to see it now. Um, uh, and from that... Ke- I, you know, I hung out with Kevin uh, a little bit before that and a lot more after that. Kevin Smith asked if I, what I had written, and I gave him a sketch comedy movie called Big Helium Dog that he produced in 1997. Mm-hmm. And um, while I was going to festivals with Vin's movie, um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in Vin's movie and it's a straight drama, but I stand out only because I'm the, like a wacky comedic character. And it's like, and I don't think I'm good, but I definitely stand out because it doesn't, I don't know if it fits. I think Vin just, you know, he's a great friend and he thinks I'm funny. So let's, didn't have the heart to cut me. I don't know. But uh, a Fox talent scout said, do you want to be an actor? And I was like, no. I mean, you can tell by that movie. I don't, I shouldn't be, even if I want to be an actor, but I am a writer. You're and Vin's I, Walt Flanagan. Yeah, yes. Well, I think Walt's, you know, Walt's talented, uh, more talented. Uh, um, <laughs> so he uh, he this lady Lisa Harrison who's a Fox talent scout said well can I read some of your scripts and mm-hmm. I gave her a couple um, that I had written and uh, showed her Big Helium Dog and she said you should be a comedy writer she said this is she she said something to me that I remember to this day and she said I don't know if you're a genius mm-hmm. but I think you can pass for one in Los Angeles so <laughs> I was like okay that's cool so um, so from then I got hired to write a movie, rewrite a movie for Fox Searchlight called Fag Hag. Uh, she hooked me up with Fox Searchlight, and I wrote that. They flew me out while I was here. I went on a bunch of meetings, and I got a manager, and Kevin's agent took me under his wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, what else do you have? And one of the things I had written for fun was a Muppet movie. Just I didn't think any Muppet people would ever read it. Not Muppet people. Like I didn't think Kermit would read it. Right. He's not real. I acknowledge that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think the Muppet production company would read it, Henson. And they, my agent sent it to them and sent it all around Hollywood, and Henson wound up buying it. The production company he, he had he passed, passed away, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, sadly. Um, but so they're they're like five blocks from here. Are they? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got a tour. My parents came and visited. And we got to take a tour of that. Yeah. That was the most excited my parents have been uh, to visit. Uh, that was amazing. <laughs> um, 
And then from then on, a bunch of production studio companies were like, well, do you want to work with like the Looney Tunes? Do you want to do this? And, it, and I go, I guess I'm going to do kid stuff for a while. And it and I've sold some horror, some R-rated comedies, but it always comes back to the animation and, and kid stuff, which I love anyway. It's yeah. And now that I have a three and a half year old, it's, he thinks I'm pretty cool. But um, So that's it. So it's just been going for about 11 or 12 years and finally things started getting made. That's kind of amazing. you know. And I think that uh, obviously the focus of this podcast is, is heavily into the DIY thing. But it's also kind of demystifying the process, right? You know that um, a lot of people that listen, I think, are are, are writers, are would be writers. Um, you know, people that you know want to want to work in comics, or work in movies, or work in video games. And I, it's just so for someone who doesn't understand the process, it's incredibly daunting. Or the opposite, where they're just like, I'm just going to go to Hollywood and get my script read. I'm going to try it. Yeah. yeah. And and I, you know, I've always had a lot of respect for people who just kind of like, you know, pick up and do that. But, um, you know, that they just don't know how to even get their foot in the door nine times out of 10, right. unless they're able to kind of, I don't know, tap into that, you know, purity, that, that, that kind of purely innocent thing of like, why can't I, I do, do this? this great thing? Yeah, what, what, there's there's no reason to think that anything's going to stop me. And and I think that a lot of people move here with that and don't get the right break or don't know how to go about it the right way. And they spend a lot of time, uh, uh, they waste a lot of time, right. you know, not actually knowing how to get something done. And that some some people leave before they ever um, kind of get their thing done because they just they feel like they only had that one shot. Right. And so um, at what point did you really start to understand like I've I've got my foot in in the door here. Like I this is going to be a thing. I I has it not happened? No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it, it definitely around the premiere of Minions I was like maybe this is working out. Um yeah. no, I you know, I, I had sold stuff steadily, um, mm-hmm. and I, it was always frustrating that nothing was getting made. Yeah. But I was selling stuff, and I was, and I never, I always assumed the next one was going to get made. Yeah. Um, Writers more so than anybody right. see this happen. You know, when I was an actor, I did several pilots that went to absolutely nothing. One of them worked on for a year and a half, and then I was out before it got filmed, wow. and then it and then it didn't go anywhere. Right. But you know, for writers, that's kind of regular. Like, um, you know, my my friend um, uh, Kevin um, Broadman was selling screenplays left and right. Glimmerman got made, mm-hmm. and then it was years before another screenplay was produced, but he was offered all of this work. And um, you know, finally he ended up working on Constantine, and they offered him the director's chair, and he's like, I'm, I'm just a writer. Like, I've, wow. I'm not there yet, you know? And recently he had um, a, great, a great piece that was um, produced by Netflix. It's amazing. And, um, you know, that... Because of that system, maybe it's easier. Right. Like because you're getting paid to see nothing happen. Right. Whereas you know, I think performers, it's a pay-to-play thing in a way, or it's like you don't get paid in, unless it runs. So right. when the time is wasted, it's just like, oh my god, I wasted a year and I could have taken this other job or right. I could have done this other thing. Well, you know, I always I had about three or four screenplays in the works since last year in high school like mm-hmm. I always so I was I would be writing even if no one was buying them yeah. so it, I, I just love writing screenplays writing stories comic books so it was just it was just the new wrinkle was oh I'm get, also getting paid I don't have to go to the job during the day yeah. that has nothing to do with writing now that can be my job and I lived in New Jersey until nine years ago so what a bizarre burst of talent yeah. in this small area of New Jersey that has launched you know like 15 careers it's insane uh, the the if the, the movie Big Helium Dog that, that Kevin produced and that I wrote and directed 
if you if I t- if we made a movie about the making of it, mm-hmm. and at the end they said what happened to each person, you go, this is a lie. Nothing. Right. N- this much good stuff can't you happen. Believe it. No, yeah. it, it was. It's crazy. Like, of course. Like, I mean, Vin. It's like Vin, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes. Yeah. But like, the lead actress has uh, is Lorene Scafaria, and she has since gone on to write and direct The Meddler and uh, write and direct uh, Seeking a Friend from the End of the World. Um, That's great. The movie. Two, the, the, both are awesome, yeah. and the two the two male leads are on TV constantly. Every commercial or like TV show. Um, mm-hmm. One of the one of the casting guy who's also a comedic, uh, he's he's so funny in the movie, um, is one of the Impractical Jokers. Like they've mm-hmm. all gone on to stuff, and it, it's 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 pretty neat. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if everybody has talent in every in every town. We just are lucky enough to have Kevin Smith help us get started. The, the, the spotlight shine, <laughs> right? Yeah, right, you yeah. know, it's like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? The clouds part, and everybody starts paying attention. And there there may be something to that. You know, I was I was listening le- recently on. Um, I have you know XM Sirius Radio and, and I listen to um, the volume station a lot, which mm-hmm. is just talking about music. Mm-hmm. You know, which I, what would Frank Zappa say about that? You know, it's like dancing the architecture, talking about music. But um, the um, one of the shows are talking to Tom Petty, and he came out of like the city in Florida that that he was from was like two of the Eagles. You know, and Stephen Stills and right. like all these people came out of this this town of, of a population of about 100,000 people in a college town. And he said, you know, the great thing about, you know, the, the early 70s and when we kind of emerged was that there were a lot of gigs where you could make, you know, 50 or 100 bucks, you right. know, that there were enough places around that you could gig. So that was a good place. If you were from there, you gigged a lot, you got good, and then when you went on tour, you'd get noticed because you'd be so much better right. having like dozens of shows under your belt uh, in this small city. And, and they were talking to me, he's like, he's, yeah, and he's like, it didn't stop with us. You know, like, after us, there were a bunch of people that came out of this place too, and it, it may have just been that that once the the light was shined on, it became the place that people went to. You know, like L.A. was in the late 70s, early 80s, like Seattle was in the early 90s, right. like Boston was, you know, in, in the in the aughts. And um, these these scenes that, that tend to move around, it's they're always unlikely in a weird way, but when it's not a major city, like, right. it's, you know, it's, it's not like it's Newark. Right, right. You know, it's right. like it's 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 not the biggest city in New Jersey. Yeah. It's it's a town. No, it's a little town, Red Bank. It's yeah, the, the, the height of indie film for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I but I wonder now if if we should shine. We should should we go around shining lights on every town? Are there all these undiscovered? I mean, maybe we got to pick and choose, right? I know, but, but we have to know. I know. I mean, at least now with with everybody being connected via social media and you know even just like people doing their own podcasts and stuff that you kind of and especially with comedy podcasts right. which have launched careers. Mm-hmm like bananas I mean it's like it's been crazy and YouTube channels that that's people you know PewDiePie for crying out loud although I think he's finally going away that um, you know this is a guy that was just he just did it right and the audience just showed up and I think that timing was on his side clearly but that you can if you just spend a little time find these little gems and then if you were to cross reference you may find out that there could be 10 people in a single building right that all have you know like you know, million subscriber YouTube channels or 10 million subscriber YouTube channels um, because of the nature of things. It could be. It could be the uh, the case. You know, like where Kevin records now um, over uh, off Wilshire, mm-hmm. like that, that, um, that network down there is kind of incredible. There's like a, a ton of shows. Whenever I'm down there, I know somebody in the lobby, oh, like wow. from... 
just being around, you know, like, or someone else who does what I do, you know, like, um, you see like, uh, Holly and John Schnapp, you know, and mm -hmm. you're like, oh, wow, you guys are going to be on the show. You, you have no idea, you know, until right. you get there. So that, yeah, it would be kind of cool to, to walk around shining lights on places. And I guess we have a sort of educated guest now that we can do that. Whereas before it was just, you didn't know until you're in the middle of it. Right. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. You could, you could read something they wrote. Now you can actually see, even if it's a crude version, you could see what they want to do yeah. uh, in, var in various formed mm -hmm. it's interesting so when did you move out here i moved out here uh 13 years ago actually i just i i always i always have to do it uh based on when i met my wife which is i met her 12 years ago yeah. and got married nine years ago but um 13 years ago uh my agents uh just when i came out for a general meeting said look it's going great you're getting stuff made and then at the point where you have to be in the room mm -hmm. to help get it actually made yeah uh, you're, you're not there. You're in New Jersey. So I was like, okay, I'll try for a couple of years. And, I, yeah. and it worked out. Yeah, that, that's because that can stop a project. Yeah. 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 I, I wonder what would have gotten made if I had just come out <laughs> earlier. But so, I mean, I've had terrible phone meetings where it may be in person. You know, you don't hang up mad. You hang out and it, yeah. everyone calms down and figures out the right solution. I wonder. But I like how my life worked out. But I wonder what would have happened if I came out earlier. Yeah. Yeah. If if I had been in, you know, uh, American History X and I had to, you know, <laughs> right. after the fifth and sixth callbacks, book something else. But, the, um, you know, the... <laughs> and, and you mentioned your wife. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you have to tell everybody who your wife is and what she does because she's incredible. My wife is uh, Carrie Beck. She's the co-creator of Star Wars Rebels, and she's the producer of the Star Wars TV shows. Uh, and, yeah, and she's, she's got a credit in Rogue One, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I just wish younger me knew his wife was going to be in the credits of Star Wars because I've been <laughs> like, okay, it's going to work out pretty well. But, yeah, she's amazing. She's a, she's she's way smarter than me <laughs> <laughs> when you sat down you're like you know you should really be having her in here you know, I'm know. just gonna sit it's back true. in the corner <laughs> it's true and but the thing is I will babble until you guys tell me to leave but mm -hmm. she will she's pretty quiet Ah. Yeah. She'll those, tell me to stop babbling. If those can be interesting interviews. Right, right. Yeah, but then I'll leave on the way home today. I'll go, oh, I shouldn't have said that thing, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so the, um, what's going on right now? You're working on the two sequels. Yes. But um, what, what are the personal stuff do you have going on? You know, there is, I mean, you, you don't want to talk about scripts that are, that are necessarily unproduced, but right. are there things that you got super excited about? Or were there projects that, almost happened a while ago that you're like, you know, oh, I want to I get this going again. There's a ton of those. Um, but uh, I always, I always, I kind of made a deal with myself early on that even if I was getting paid to write a bunch of different things that weren't necessarily mine, like I love pets and I love working on minions, but mm -hmm. the, the ideas didn't come from me. I'm just right. the, the person writing the screenplay about them. Uh, but I always have, I self-published comics for a really long time. I, I, uh, produced and wrote uh, animated shorts yeah. with flash animation with Bob Seska um, and uh, the the big one currently was I had an idea for a um, a kids book a, a chapter book and it was such a good idea like it was a one line idea and I'm not patting myself on the back because maybe the execution is terrible but the one line <laughs> is a really good idea and it got to the point where I was like someone's going to make it if I don't do something with it I'm just yeah. going to read it and my, my favorite thing that I've ever worked on is something called Monster Motors and it's uh, it's a kid's it's a kid's comic book that I did with Nick Roach and Leno Grady IDW published it I, it's probably here at Meltdown hopefully they bought it um, mm -hmm. uh, and it's my, it's my favorite idea of all time I pitched it to Universal after we were coming out of the comic book they bought it yeah um, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And it's going to be like an animated adventure. It's going to be fantastic. And then a movie was announced that had the same basic idea yeah. because I had waited because I was waiting for the right 
way to do it. And for, so for this book idea, mm-hmm. I said, could you set me up with a couple book uh, pitch uh, uh, publishers so, so I could pitch it? And uh, luckily, literally my first choice, the one that I saw on the spine of the book that inspired me to write the book in the first place, uh, said, yeah, we'd like you to, we, we want to do it. That's great. Uh, so it's coming out next January, and then book two is coming out uh, in the fall after that. Uh, and you touched on something, and it's, and I think it's important. I think one of the what should be the biggest motivator for people to to actually finish something mm-hmm. is if you don't, someone else is going to do it, so, and it's going to burn. It's going to yeah. burn like nothing you've ever experienced. You know, it is salt in the wound. It never heals. And, and if people <laughs> and if people love it, like yeah. if you or you see a poster for yeah. it, like I've, I've, I mean, there's so many movies where like I drive down the street, I'm like, that was that's mine. Oh, and it, it would have worked. It yeah. would have worked. And I don't know if my execution would have been what you know theirs was, but uh, it, yeah, it's it's frustrating. And there's something to the zeitgeist, you know, mm-hmm. that the zeitgeist is a real thing now. You know, it's not just like this general idea that people are picking up each other's vibes. I mean, things are being very subtly advertised to everybody constantly, and when something's going to hit, it's going to hit. Right. And so if you don't already have, you know, your, your, um, your log in the fire, so to speak, then... It's not going to happen, right. and you, you kind of have to. And I think that the other big thing is you just got to finish stuff. Yep. You know, like you got to sit down and write it. Don't don't worry about it being awesome right off the bat. Don't keep going back and rewriting the first chapter a hundred thousand times. Get the whole thing down, then go back in in detail. You know, do your outline, then get in and do your shading. Yeah, vomit it out. Yeah, get <laughs> it out. It, yeah. You know, and and you know, and then when you when you've got enough strength to push your body off of the toilet, right. and you're done vomiting it out. <laughs> right, right. You know, then you can assess whether or not totally. it's, it's it's worthwhile. I also find because of Facebook and Twitter, there's a lot of very funny people mm-hmm. that should be not tweeting all the time and yeah. writing their book and I, I don't know how to possibly say that to them I'll tell you this this is funny the, mm-hmm. this is this is prescient because this happened to me last night or the night before where um, I got caught up in this this thread in on a friend's Facebook page and I was writing these little mini novellas mm-hmm. you know and because I wanted to cover enough so that I, I didn't come off as as being um, specifically negative on something, and I wanted to be like, well, there's this and there's this, you know, and it conversationally it works, but of course nobody right. reads anything anymore, anyways. Right. But what I realized, and I, I've I got used to writing very long replies to people who were submitting art that I wasn't going to show, right, and then not sending them. Oh. And it's practice for writing. Okay. Like, and now if I write something, I don't necessarily delete it. I'll save it as a document because there's there's interesting stuff even in just conversational things even arguing politics there's like interesting little bits and turn of phrase right that if i if i flush it you know if i delete it it's going to go away but i don't necessarily want it in the context of someone else's facebook page sure, absolutely you've and, just you know, we, you've just spent it there. Yeah. yeah 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 so it's like you know like the idea like not constantly talking about it but like using it i do find that um, that just writing anything is practice for writing something worthwhile yes but uh but yeah if, if they're all out there just tweet 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 if it's and i mean tweeting is i mean they expanded the amount of characters but it's like it kind of really is a waste of time yes absolutely yeah. and it, yeah it's an idea that you have in the moment that you might not even agree with in the next hour anyway so yeah. just yeah and I, i've actually had an idea i sometimes i do fake terrible pitches as tweets mm-hmm. um uh and i did one as a joke, and then I immediately delete it. I'm like, that's not actually a terrible one. And yeah, I took it back. That, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm going to use it, and I'm and it's and I'm going to use it as a part of a of a, of a screenplay I'm working on right yeah. now. I'm like, thank God I didn't put that out there. But, <laughs> very weird. Now, what do you think is um, 
I guess your your workflow. Like when you sit down to um to write something, do you give yourself a specific amount of time to be like, if I don't have a first draft on this by a certain time, I'm walking away from it, or do you kind of let it take over, or just do you pick up projects and drop projects? Well, you know, I used to write before I was married and before I was with the girl I'm with. I was. I, with the girl. She's my wife. What was that? <laughs> I also have a girl that I'm with. Um, I would write all day, go out with my friends, write into the night. Mm-hmm. And now I can't do that because I, I have a kid who from five at night until he goes to sleep is like, he's like, what do we do, dad? Come on. Like, yeah. I, Entertain so, me. Yeah. So I, he, he either goes with his nanny a couple days a week or he goes to preschool and that's the time I have to write. Yeah. And, um, so it's from basically eight in the morning until five. I I get out the stuff that Universal needs me to do now with Minions and Pets. Um, mm-hmm. And then when he goes to sleep, if I still have any energy left, I'll work on the book. Yeah. Um, and because the book comes easier to me, because the book is fr- is just is is I don't have to please eighty people for the right. book. I have to please myself, so it, it's easier. Um, What's the difference for you in writing something that you? I mean, in writing anime animation you're automatically writing for pictures right but um is there a different type of approach to writing like a children's book where there's going to be like an illustration on the page and the difference between writing that in a comic book which is sequential and, and everything has its balloon and writing you know straightforward screenplay stuff well i'm i'm learning uh i'm learning how to write a book as i'm writing my first <laughs> book but it's it's um I'm overwriting, uh, and I think with comic books, I've gotten it. I've, ne- I've I'm able to whittle down. I know how to write a comic book now. I know mm-hmm. how to write a screenplay now. But um, the book, I, I did overwrite. I, mm-hmm. I wrote over. I literally have the character walk from point A to point B. And sometimes when I go back on that second draft, I go, oh, he can start halfway to point B. We don't have to have him wake up and have his yeah. breakfast. We, we, we can. We know. We we know. Use this chunk. So mm-hmm. right now, the book is basically just vomiting the thought out which yeah. is what basically what you said and then going back and refining everything yeah. um whereas a screenplay you know you just paint the picture what you want the audience to see and and a comic book is i get lazier as i work with the artist more and more because i know that they're going to make the art work like the, yeah. the visuals work i'm like he gets mad and like i don't have to get flowery have the guy get mad and then i write the dialogue but um it's all different muscles it really yeah. is and i yeah it's the only muscles i have is writing muscles but i'm, I'm working on it <laughs> So the, um, I guess the other interesting thing is that um, both your you and your wife are are creators, and you're both working and doing a lot of writing. And what's it like having two writers in one household? Uh, well, she's also an executive, yeah. so that's weird. Is that um, yeah? So she uh, she's at the office all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and she doesn't have the luxury of actually writing from home, but. Um, it's it's fun. I mean, it's definitely a great person. It's great to have a sounding board, a try stuff out. Yeah. Not all the time, because that would be real annoying if we were always going. What do you think of this? Yeah, like two wacky creators just t- and the kid would be like, "Can't we play?" <laughs> I or can something? hear the Tiny Toons music in the background. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, it, it's it's great. I mean, it's it's great to have. She gave me notes. That's how we met. She was an executive. Mm-hmm. She gave me among the best notes I ever had on the project we worked. So it's cool to have that person live next to me. Yeah, live not next to me, sleep next to me. She lives <laughs> with me. Uh, uh, it's 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 awesome. Um, and she's smarter than me. She hasn't read the book yet. Uh, I can't wait for her to tell me what she thinks, although now it's too late. If she doesn't like it, it's already it's going. It's already going someplace. Yeah, 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 the galley's coming, so so if she doesn't like it, I'm sorry. <laughs> She'll give it a bad review. It's not dedicated to her, but it's dedicated to my son, and I, you know, you want that, that little phrase after the dedication to be really great. Like, to, So when he reads yeah. it when he's 20, he goes, oh, that's my dad. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't come up with a good one, so I came up with a... It's fine. Yeah. And right when I sent it in, Carrie's like, you should have said blank. And it was 
the perfect, perfect one. one. But I couldn't do it because it's not from me. It's right. from her. But maybe she'll write a book and she'll give it to him. But, she'll use that one. Yeah. But if he doesn't <laughs> like it, I was, I'll be like, well, what about this one? I'm like, okay, that one works. She's giving me notes. <laughs> the only thing in the book she's giving me notes on is the dedication. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So shout out some social media. Where can people follow you and what you're doing? Uh, I'm at Brian Lynch, uh, B-R-I-A-N-L-Y-N-C-H. Uh, Facebook, I have a personal one. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys are more than welcome to follow me there, too. Uh, B Lynch. Uh, that's Facebook.com slash B Lynch. I think that's it. I think that's mm-hmm. all I'm doing right now. Not tweeting. Oh, oh tweet. Well, tw- yeah, Twitter is at Brian Lynch. Yeah, um, yeah. But but uh, I'm on Instagram, but unless you don't like, if you like pictures of three-year-olds, then yeah. that's the place for you. Um, and if you do like pictures of three-year-olds, you're weird. That's uh, not weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's not how I should leave it. Uh, but that's at Brian Michael Lynch. But again, it's just my kid hanging out. But he's a good looking kid. That's cool. It. Cool, awesome. man. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming this by. This was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentialism. And um, what many, many of you may know that I, I do run a gallery in Los Angeles called La Luz de Jesus Gallery. And what you may not know is that it's inside Wacko, which is probably the greatest center of pop culture in the world. And it may sound like hyperbole. It's not. Um, you can, If you don't want to trust my judgment, you can listen to people like Kevin Smith, uh, James Gunn, uh, David Mack, um, all of whom will swear that uh, one of their favorite places on earth is uh, Wacko, the shop that houses La Luz de Jesus Gallery. Um, whether it's blind box toys or little tchotchkes or art books, it pretty much is the place that you can get all of your Christmas shopping done for every possible annoying person to buy for that you can imagine. They've got everything, and I highly recommend that you visit them. You can visit them online at soapplant.com. You can visit the gallery at laluzdejesus.com, and that's spelled L-A-L-U-Z-D-E-J-E-S-U-S.com. Check them out and tell them Matt Kennedy sent you.